SNL with Emma Stone is over, but we're just getting started here on Saturday Night Live, live on Post Show Recaps. And now here are the two guys who are back for their five-year high school reunion as well. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here's Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? I am great. I am wonderful. Thanks. Yes. Rich, have you been nominated for any Academy Awards since the last show? Not since the not since the last show. No, I did miss that window, unfortunately. Yeah, I was in the hangover. And oh, was it a train wreck and, and another one? Yes. One. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. We're here to talk about Emma Stone and Sean Mendez. James Keese will be with us to discuss the musical performance in this week's episode of SNL. But Rich, happy December. First of three SNLs in a row here in December. Yeah, we kick off the, our usual string of three. And as we see now every year, what has become really the standard is that we will have, uh, you know, Christmas and holiday themed sketches in all three, as opposed to years past where they really banked them for the last show of the year. Now we really sort of have a month of holiday uh, of sketches, which we will see starting with tonight. Well, Rich, we got to feed the upcoming NBC SNL Christmas special. So you got to like uh, get yep. a bunch of things into the pipeline for that. Yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah, because you know what? They'll probably they'll use stuff from this year. They don't care. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's current. And, and there's a lot of people who watch those primetime specials who often don't stay up till, uh, you know, 1 a.m. So they have not seen, you know, they they don't really have a a candle, a scented candle to pass on to their friends just yet. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of mileage uh, out of that. Yeah. All right. So, Rich, before we get into the show, how's everything been for you? Good. Good, good. A quick mention, I was gonna, as I was saying to you before, to our L.A. friends, I'm actually, I think some people on Twitter and Facebook know I do a lot of storytelling in L.A. If anyone's in L.A. next weekend on Saturday, uh, Sunday, I'm sorry, Sunday afternoon, we're doing a, a, a storytelling show that I am uh, co-hosting and producing as well as performing in. So it's on my Twitter. It's on my Facebook. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But please come out. It'll be a lot of fun. I've been doing a lot of storytelling in town, which has been great. Okay, Rich. Well, let's uh, tell the story of Emma Stone on SNL and... We have another, maybe people thought it wasn't going to be a Trump called open because we started off in a school with A.D. Bryant as the teacher. And we ended up with the story of a 16 year old kid who was retreated by Donald Trump. Rich, what is going to have to happen in the world for us to not get a political cold open in the month of December? Well, I think, you know, the question really comes all down to Alec Baldwin and how much more does he want to do it? As I, we don't know anything, as I've speculated, I think that he will finish out the year and then come January, uh, he will, I'm guessing either he will have retired from it or uh, or at least dramatically rolled it back. So I think there's a really good chance. I'm sure we'll see him on the 17th. Maybe he text, takes next week off, um, but not for lack of content, I'm sure. Uh, it'll really just be about sort of uh, the desire of Alec. Okay. So Rich, uh, this is a uh, sort of, let's just talk about the SNL of it all. And then we can get into the meta commentary on all of this. So uh, the sketch itself, uh, all about how Donald Trump can't stop tweeting. Uh, and we see him at you know various points throughout the sketch that he's retweeting people. Uh, I don't know necessarily that SNL nailed the reaction people get to. I've been retweeted. And then sort of like, oh, yes, like I've been amazing. Re I've been retweeted. And then let me see who it's from. Uh, sort of like the act of a retweet is a bit like a text message. Yeah, it was an odd. I thought the same thing. I, I thought the, the fact that people were so excited to get retweeted at all took away from the ridiculousness of being, you know, retweeted by the president elect of, of the United States. So I thought that was an odd. We maybe spent a little bit too much time in each uh, non-Trump Tower location. Uh, I think there was some comedy to be had for those who knew of the actual, uh, uh, you know, Twitter users that had been retweeted, which might, in fact, have been a little bit inside baseball, especially for a cold open. Yeah. Do you think they could have done that better? Could they have put up like a screenshot of each person's actual tweet? You know, it's a hard one. And we've talked about this before, you know, that that SNL feels a knowledge. It feels a responsibility to have to educate much of their users. I'd say the two things that are very sad is one, how many people are getting news updates from SNL's cold open, like in this case, explaining the premise for those who don't know it. And secondly, that I'm one of those people. That I, I mean, I knew about the call from Taiwan, but I had no idea about this. Luckily, my wife watching with me did. Uh, and, and they did a very nice job of explaining it, even to a very atypical almost break from the camera like 
no, he really did this a, a couple of times. You know, Keenan and and uh, and uh, Cecily. Uh, I'm sorry, and uh, Kate sort of hitting it very hard. Like, no, this really happened. I think it's hard for them and anyone to really sort of do commentary on a topic that you are assuming many of your audience members don't know what the sort of what the situation is that's being made of in the first place. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I had read sort of the headline this week of that Trump had retweeted a high school kid. but I didn't know about the other people. So, um, you know, even still watching the sketch, I think that uh, I was a little unclear. You know, certainly by the time we got to Bobby Moynihan, that that was a real person who had gotten their tweet retweeted. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and also they weren't actually even saying what the tweet was that was being retweeted. They made reference to it, but it, w- it was a little bit confusing. So so I had to do a little bit of mental gymnastics to sort of, you know, follow along with sort of what the premise of at least the first half of the sketch was. OK, so that's sort of like the premise for the sketch. What about the comedy of the sketch, Rich? Um, you know, some of it I thought was really funny. I mean, I, I really liked the idea of uh, there was once we got past this, this Twitter tweeting thing, which I thought was fine. I mean, I like the idea that he, you know, the character of Donald Trump knows that he's a bad boy and he's like, oops, I did it again. He's got the air horn really sort of painting the picture of someone who like, oh, I know I'm not supposed to, but I'm going to do what I want anyway, which I thought was very cute. Um, for me, the the part that I loved comedically the most is when he talked about it's time to build that swamp <laughs> and the idea of just like, oh, he, can't, he can't both build a wall and drain the swamp. Let's just smoosh them together, smoosh them together. I thought that they maybe walked away from a maybe a sharper political commentary about his appointments and other things about how he is, in fact, in consciously building a swamp. Instead, they sort of played it as like, I can't do two things, so just smoosh them together. But I did really like that. Um, I also really kind of like the cheap shot at the at that he thought a self-portrait was actually a plate of mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes yeah, <laughs> I thought that was very cute. Uh, uh, so, you know, but I, I, it was a bit long. I, I, I have a couple of thoughts about where we're at with Alec Baldwin in general, but uh, I thought it was fine. I, I think that maybe we're losing a little bit of steam with these uh, with the with the cold opens. Yeah, I also thought that the uh, Steve Bannon uh, thing with the Grim Reaper was a funny game. That wasn't where I thought they were going uh, with that. And I thought that was uh, very funny to like that. That was uh, the way that they wanted to depict that character. But uh, that being that being said, uh, I feel like that this was uh, not hilarious and probably one of the weaker cold opens that we've had this season. Yeah. And I think and I'm going to say this without getting political. I think that comedically we because I like as if this was the Mets or something I'm going to talk about uh, Saturday Night Live like we I think we have a problem with the Alec Baldwin impression, which is I mean, we've had we've had a Donald Trump problem for so long through so many, you know, through through Daryl Hammond and and Tina and Karen, uh, Taryn Killam trying to get something that really worked. And sure, this was gangbusters. This was such a great impression. But the the impression was so mean spirited that it really uh, was obviously intended to be a short run and the you know the week after the election would have been the swan song and snl doesn't work well especially in cold opens with mean-spirited impressions they sort of start to fall flat because there's very little room to grow and because we're not loving the character we're not supposed to there's not a root empathy for the person being made fun of the sketches start to sort of feel very like you you live and die by the very last joke made that you really have like a 10 second grace period even when you're looking it you know when uh, when uh, um, uh, when Will Ferrell did George W. Bush in a way it was really insulting about what an idiot this guy was taken to dramatic extremes but there was still a likability and a lovability about him and uh, some people who didn't lo- like the actual person would say that that actually humanized him to a fault but that's not what we're here to do we're a comedy show and I think whether whatever the outside world thinks of Donald Trump in you know the character of Donald Trump on SNL is gonna have to start to get likable or where it's not going to sustain these cold opens. You know, the the not liking Donald Trump, save that for Weekend Update, save that for The Daily Show. But here we, we need to find an essence of Donald Trump that that we can all relate to, even if it's an insulting, uh, you know, thing to hook on to. We got to hook on to something. 
So that's a really great point. And of course, you know, if you think back to sort of like the most iconic SNL presidential impressions, you know, you think about that for the most part, they end up sort of having a good relationship uh, with their counterpart where, you know, a number of them, you know, they've uh, eventually gone on to meet the person that they are uh, lampooning. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's uh, everybody's having a good time. Obviously, to speak to the not having a good time, uh, Donald Trump, again, the real Donald Trump uh, tweeted his displeasure with this sketch, Rich, uh, and uh, has talked about I, I don't have the exact tweet up in front of me, but uh, is really not happy with Alec Baldwin or the impression or SNL. Yeah, it was. I have it here. Just it was just tried watching Saturday Night Live. Unwatchable. Totally biased. Not funny. And the Baldwin impersonation just can't get any worse. Sad. To which Alec Baldwin re- replied, release your tack returns and I'll stop. Ha. Uh, so just the most bizarre taking politics aside, the most bizarre situation that the president elect is actually tweeting about an impression being done on him on SNL. Just uh, you, you can't Saturday Night Live can't make fun of it because it's so uh, it's so meta and it's so odd that that's actually going on yeah um interestingly if donald trump released his tax returns to get alec baldwin to stop portraying him on snl i mean this would be a a huge story rich yeah although i have a hunch alec baldwin would feel like uh maybe the person he's mocking does not have a history of following through on his promises so he would not feel obligated to do so either (laughs) i I don't know that that would be wait alec Alec Baldwin baldwin would come back even if trump released the tax returns I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Wow. And that, that would said, be a real, I, I, a, a real heel yeah. turn by Alec Baldwin, I think. Yeah, I think so. I, and as I said at the beginning, I don't know anything. I do believe that uh, that Alec Baldwin is probably getting a little tired and probably literally tired. I mean, this is, you know, Saturday Night Live is uh, even if you're only in one sketch a week is a very exhausting process. And I think there's a good chance that uh, that he's sort of looking for the sort of end game to this because he certainly is not going to want to spend all of season 42 doing Donald Trump. <laughs> That's right. All right. Uh, let's get into the monologue. Uh, here comes Emma Stone hosting for the third time ends up talking about how she didn't go to high school and how SNL is kind of like high school. I thought that the premise was a bit of a stretch, but was it working for you, Rich? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say it was a very fun idea that was half executed. I never felt like we were fully committed to this idea. Um, you know, even even my wife Jen said as we, after we watched it, it felt it felt like a well uh, a well executed monologue that was written at the last minute because something else didn't work. Um, so we had a night, a couple of nice little touches along the way. It was certainly fun. Anytime you give me Bobby Moynihan as a high school football player, I'm going to love it. But I don't know that this really all hung together. We even saw at the end when, when Bobby throws the football and that's really the end of the, of, of, of the bit. And then she just, you know, uh, you know, sort of, was, we had a great show. We'll be right back. So, uh, so it, it felt a little all over the place uh for me at least yeah we had some interesting notes as we went around here uh leslie jones and kyle mooney uh making out as she nice uh, call back uh yes is that gonna be a thing rich are we going for some sort of like a storyline on snl like shades of uh snl doing the uh what is it 1984 cliffhanger Oh, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see them just sort of continuing to sort of, you know, drop this in, I, you know, and just sort of and not and I love the fact that there wasn't much of our like she just said, like, oh, that wasn't happening when I was here last. But I, I love the idea of little runners sort of thrown in almost as Easter eggs for the fans. I definitely yeah. like it. Uh, five years ago that she uh, got Keenan to first smoke pot. Are you buying that, Rich? Five years ago for Keenan. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think comedically, the hard part is it was so obvious before she even said a line that Keenan was holding something in his mouth, whatever it was. So the uh, you know, I, I unfortunately saw the joke, you know, you know, you know, it, you know, coming, you know, before she even got the, the premise out, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and then we had the moment that we referenced at the top of the show with Vanessa about how uh, she was in movies, train wreck and the other one. And uh, yeah, is that for real that 80 Bryant went to the same high school as Emma Stone? 
It sounds like it is. They're both from Arizona. Emma's 28, 80 is 29. So depending on where their birthdays are, it's very likely. Yeah. I will also say, by the way, just because of foreshadowing of the show, it was very funny that Vanessa, who is in Office Christmas Party with Jennifer Aniston, did not re- there, there was no reference to the actual name of the film Office Christmas Party that Vanessa is in with Jennifer Aniston and Kate McKinnon. Uh, and having seen the, the trailer, I, I have a hunch I have a two-word review for oh. that movie. And the second word is... Boy, <laughs> so I would love to be wrong, yeah. but uh, I would love it if all the great stuff couldn't be shown in the trailer. But uh, I have a hunch there's a reason that no one outwardly referenced the name of that movie, uh, including yeah. in the, in Rich, the I'm sure that Horrible Bosses Three will be fine. Oh boy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The one thing I think that did work in this monologue that I did like every time Emma Stone was asking each person whether it was eighty or Vanessa or Bobby, like so, like, uh, like what's been going on with you? Good stuff, yeah. and like, nope, uh, yeah. nope, nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah, <laughs> yes, very well yeah. done. I like that a lot, and I love Bobby. I mean, Bobby just—I don't know that he necessarily saved this, but I just, just you know, he tickles me and everything he's in. So I just and looked good by the way yeah, this the character was coat. funny yeah, for him good as he throws the football i gave an oh boy oh i missed that i didn't even occur yeah. to me that i missed <laughs> oh, darn it i missed a good oh boy from bobby great yeah great, not great, great, uh, great. but oh all right um yeah. rich let's talk about the woodbridge high school showcase and i have to say i i have grown tired of this yeah, I mean, this was last done on the Elizabeth Banks episode a year ago in November of last year. Oddly, even though uh, in the in the high school cast, it's always uh, men and women. This seems to have become the rite of passage for young female hosts to want to to want to be in. I'm not quite sure why. Uh, you know, I, I you know, my wife liked it more than I. I I I mean, this is one of those. If this was the first one of these I had ever seen, I would have said, "Oh my God, that was." Really Really funny. I thought that was so fun and so uh, prescient, and such a great takedown on on high school, you know, uh, you know stuff. But as the fifth, it was just like, yep, we're just sort of playing the same. It's it's Mad Libs at this point. We're yeah. just sort of playing the same beats over and over again. Um, couple of funny lines, of course. Couple of funny beats here and there. But uh, I I I I don't know what else that they're going to do with this. Uh, that you know, this is clearly for the casual SNL fan who does not remember this sketch or barely remembers it. Not the nerd like me who sees the set of chairs in the pot in the in the you know the bumper during the commercial and goes, oh, we're going to the high school because that's where the parents sit, uh, you know, during the high school sketch. Uh, You know, I I don't know. Not for me. I am not framing the ticket to this performance of this sketch. And I feel like the jokes are pretty much, you know, they could just as easily be done in the girl that you don't want to talk to at the party. It's the same sort of stuff, uh, sort of like getting the moral outrage wrong about certain things. And normally I feel like that Keenan and Vanessa are the saving grace. But here I felt like that they didn't even have anything that was particularly strong. I would agree. We've said this about the Donnelly sketch at the, you know, so that so often the, the best comedy comes from the reaction of the of the normal people in the sketch, uh, which I think we talked about with the David S. Pumpkins elevator sketch. And here they just weren't given as much. I did like during the horrible improv that Vanessa says, I paid a thousand dollars for that improv class that made me laugh. But other than that, I felt like they weren't given enough to do to really sort of make this make this worthwhile. Okay, Rich, uh, what about the, I don't know what we call these, uh, it's, it, we, in, in another time we would have called it a digital short, but we don't, uh, just a pre-tape piece, I guess. So yep. uh, the, um, the, the gift that is the, keeps on giving, the candle. Yeah, the Christmas candle. I, you know, uh, directed by Oz Rodriguez. Uh, this was really fun. I thought this was a real fun moment. I think for most people, this is sort of the, you, you know, the the sketch of the night. Uh, not for me necessarily. There's one I liked more. Um, you know, it's just a really fun idea. It felt like we've, we've, you know, it was basically updating the whole idea of that there's only one fruitcake in the world and the fruitcake, you know, used to get passed from, from, from household to household in a re-gifting. This was a, a very sort of current update, even though we're setting in the 90s. I don't know why this needed to be set in the 90s, but... Uh, but I thought this was really fun. I thought the music, the song was really good. The performances were really fun. Everyone in it did a really nice job. Uh, and uh, and I don't know that it it necessarily built and that there was any kind of at the end, any kind of heightening or reveal that sort of kept the energy increasing. But overall, I, I really liked it a lot. I thought, that, I thought that they all did a great job. 
Yeah, I agree. I thought this was fun. I thought probably it took a little too long to get into what it was. And then I felt like then just overall, the even though I like the idea of that, don't give a lotion away with the candle because it will make it seem like that is yeah. two yeah. worse things. I, I did feel like that by the time we got to that third verse, like it, it, I just thought it was probably could have been trimmed down a bit. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I did like the idea that they said around there that it's, you know, it's the gift that's passed to every single woman and most gays. Uh, and I was like, and the, the ending, they just had an, yeah, they did a nice, it's the gift of having a gift to give away was a nice little sort of button to it. So, uh, you know, I don't know that it's going to make Hall of Fame, but I do suspect we'll see it in the SNL Christmas primetime special coming up later in the month. Yeah. All right, Rich. So Pete Davidson wants to drop out of school, but then his posters come to life to try to talk some sense into him. Uh, what are we thinking here? Uh, I, I think that the the one poster on the wall we did not see just said, oh, boy, <laughs> this was tough for me. This yeah. was really tough. I, this was tough for me because the 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 not the the. The goofy part of the sketch, it took us so long to set up the world that was not the crazy part. So the fact that his in his dream, his posters come to life and then his posters want him to stay in school and his posters are going to teach him math was so much ditch digging to get us to. OK, now, if all of that, if, if, if you can buy everything that we got to now, here's the one poster, which is a ditzy woman who's not who's actually going to railroad the process of trying to explain math it was just it was just a lot of ditch digging to get to a a premise that was just like oh wait so that's the unusual thing here that that's the that's sort of the weird part of the sketch is that she's actually not helping teach math uh it was so that was hard for me it was really hard for me to get there uh yeah and i'm in 100 agreement i felt like that this kept building to a point that we never got to and i felt like it would have been one thing if like pete davidson's character was like somehow distracted by the hot dog uh, poster lady. But other than her seemingly keeping to, you know, bring it back to the hot dogs. I mean, that was really her only purpose. It was it wasn't even like, OK, my uh, incredibly attractive woman poster has come to life. Now I can finally be with my poster. I mean, he did not even seem like that he was attracted to this poster that has come to life in his bedroom. It was just that she kept bringing it back to the hot dog. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and I will say that the reason I wouldn't sort of uh I mean, I that it, it it what to the extent that it was saved, I would say it was it was saved by Emma's performance. I thought that she committed 100 percent, 125 percent, especially since I don't think it was necessarily going over gangbusters in the studio. And I feel like she just really doubled down on on just sort of her, you know, catchphrases. So, uh, you know, belief for her for trying uh, also in my just, you know, personal little little pet peeve, uh, you know, Pete Davidson really had to sort of I mean, he really had a huge pause to hold it together when Keenan had his first line and I love Keenan these days I mean no one's done a bigger 180 on Keenan than I have that I'm a huge Keenan fan now that earned by him but but he didn't do anything in that first line that was so funny that does that that I feel like Pete earned the ability to really almost they really almost stopped the sketch for a moment to to keep himself from laughing so th- this was a hard one for me yeah so I am in agreement on this. I feel like it was, uh, the, you know, sort of like a germ of a good idea was there. But yeah, just like uh, it took a really long time just to get through the setup. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and the, so. and the payoff wasn't worth it either. Yeah. And I'm sort of surprised that we didn't maybe swap. The, I mean, again, you never know how things play in dress. You know, you, you know, if, if something's this early in the show, it probably did quite well in dress rehearsal, which could be because of, you know, a million things. Comedy is so ethereal. You never know why something suddenly goes down the wrong rail uh, or down the wrong, wrong road. But uh, but I would much rather have seen the cleaning crew sketch here and maybe done this much later in the in the process. Okay, let's talk about the elusive legend, the hunt for a hill. Uh, This is a sketch that uh, I've seen some traction for this online. Uh, Hillary Clinton uh, being spotted in the uh, I'm going to butcher the place in upstate New York. uh, Chappaqua. What is is it? Rich Uh, Chappaqua. 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 Yeah. Sorry about that. Now someone's going to say I'm saying it wrong. But yeah. 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 But uh, what do you think of this, Rich? 
Uh, you know, I thought this was a very funny first two thirds of a, of a sketch. I thought they nailed a lot of things, sort of mapping Hillary Clinton to, uh, you know, to a ghost hunters or a search for Bigfoot kind of piece. This was directed oddly because you had, you know, you had our good neighbor friends. You know, it was it was Beck and Kyle anchoring the sketch, and yet it was not directed by their friend Dave McCary. It was directed by Paul Briganti, uh, who's been doing great work on the show. Uh, so that was surprising. But uh, I love I loved so many parts of it. You know, uh, where they were, where it really was Hillary specific. Uh, There was a great moment when uh, she's talking to they're they're talking to the woman who first saw her, uh, which I think was Vanessa if I or uh, or maybe it was Cecily. But uh, when they're they're talking about her and she says like, oh, it it, you know, she refers to the, the, you know, Hillary as oh, it seemed like it kind of wanted some time to itself. So I immediately started running after it. And I thought that was that was great fun. That was a lot of fun. Towards once we got to the Keenan part, or maybe even a little bit earlier than the that, shaman. With the, you know, with the, yeah, the shaman, I sort of felt like, well, now we're just doing a weird sort of Bigfoot piece that didn't really have anything to do with Hillary. Uh, so it, it it maybe sort of ended. Uh, it, we lost a little bit of the momentum it was building, but but overall, I thought another another fun sketch, especially when the payoff to that was she went to the supermarket to go buy eggs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I'm in agreement on that, uh, that I did like when uh, they, they they did the um, uh, uh, Hillary call uh, and they kept doing uh, the laugh. I thought that was yeah. uh, pretty fun. I also liked how they left the article about the Jill Stein uh, recount also <laughs> yes. uh, out for her. And she wrote on it. Yes. Thank you. And uh, so that, I think that was fun as well. All right. Then uh, you ready to talk uh, Sean Mendez? You better bring Mr. Uh, Mr. Keiston because uh, I would be lost without him. Okay, here he is. uh, The great editor of Exclaim Magazine, James Keist. James, uh, this is uh, one of your countrymen, right? Sean Mendez? Yeah, he's from my neighborhood. He's uh, from just outside Toronto. So uh, obviously a huge kinship and and connection and a lot in common with with Sean Mendez this week for me. You know, we're both uh, heartthrobs. Uh, we're both, uh, you know, primarily, uh, uh, you know, our, our primary audience is young women and, uh, we're both, uh, big stars on Vine. Yes. Yeah. Wait, wait, Vine's still a thing? Uh, no, Sean Mendes, such a veteran of the industry that he has actually outlasted the format that birthed him. Oh, wow. Who knew? Yeah. So he was at one point, the third most followed person on Vine. Okay. Wow. Yeah, which makes sense to me because I think I would have enjoyed Sean Mendez a lot longer if his performance was seven seconds long. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so James, you're not so happy. Uh, I thought it. I mean, he's very good at what he does, uh, which is uh, sing not challenging songs and look cute in the at the camera. I actually thought the the first song Mercy I thought somebody did an actually like a, a nice arrangement with the strings and the uh and I thought the just the strings and drums part was good and you know he's 18 years old and uh I am not his target audience but he's doing what he's doing well and he seemed to be really happy to be there. Okay. Uh, I feel like you're being too nice, James. I feel like there's plenty of the people that are for the kids that we will say, you know what? I thought that person was great. Not for me, but I can see the talent. And I, I may, maybe my, the, the bandwidth on my yeah. connection was low, but I could not see that. I, I didn't get it. I didn't see it, even if it's not for me. Uh, I thought the first song was, was not bad. Okay. And the second song? Uh, just no. Just no. <laughs> Hard no. pass from James. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, James, I yeah. next week we have uh, John Cena coming in. Uh, who's the musical guest next week? So a young country singer named Marin Morris is coming. Mamo. Sort of similar to when uh, Margot Price was through uh, in April of this year, you know, uh, appealing to a country audience and uh, most people won't have heard of her. Okay. All right. We will after next week. All right, James, uh, yeah. always a pleasure. You can follow James on Twitter at Exclaim Editor. Thanks very much for having me. All right, James. Talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Rich, let's talk about Weekend Update, which, uh, you know, I didn't have a stopwatch going. It did feel like an extended uh, Weekend Update this week. 
Yeah, well, we had two long, uh, two long bits and and a lot of jokes in between. So there, there's a lot to sort of get through. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we started out certainly uh, talking about a number of political things. Uh, I thought that probably the strongest uh, piece there was when they got into the Dakota Pipeline stuff. Yes, I thought they did a nice job with that. I thought that was very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else stand out to you on weekend update jokes? No, I mean, I think that, you know, uh, you know, again, I found myself gravitating to to some of the stuff Colin did, not Michael. I don't know if it was a performance thing. I thought that Michael had a couple of jokes about like, oh, he doesn't know the difference between Taiwan and China, where I thought, you know what? I don't I, I think you're missing the like the premise of like from what we know about Donald Trump, even just sort of surfing the news that, of course, he does. And there probably was something much more uh, like he absolutely knew who that call was and he knew what he was doing, taking that call. So I'm surprised they didn't make fun of that. Similar. He then makes the joke about like, oh, he answered the he'd answer the phone without knowing who it was. And he did the whole thing about bill collectors. And I just thought, like, I think the premise is kind of flawed for us to sort of, uh, uh, you know, sort of go along for the ride there, which is maybe why we lost him a little bit. Um, but I did like Collins where he talked about Trump's tweets. Like if, if, if the media reported them like the weather report, mm-hmm. the tweets on the one, I like that. There was 90% chance of a uh, of a Twitter storm with Rosie O'Donnell. I thought that was good. Um, and I did, I did very silly, but I did like Collins' joke about, uh, about uh, in Canada, they're enforcing drunk drivers to listen to Nickelback. Yes. Uh, and then he's basically make sure that the accident kills you. I thought that was uh, it was very cute. So uh, so a couple of good jokes, but overall, n- nothing, uh, nothing big. All right. So here comes Leslie Jones and Leslie Jones uh, I, that uh, was there to talk about a new study that was done that reported that women in relationships uh, are reporting a lower degree of sexual uh, satisfaction uh, than women who are not in a long term relationship. And uh, Rich, I felt like this went on for 10 minutes. Yeah, this was, you know, we and we just saw her in October. You know, she did that great bit at Weekend Update on the Tom Hanks episode about when she was hacked. It was very personal to her. There was a lot of great stuff where it was not just wordplay and making jokes, but it was really a lot about her. Uh, this one also fun, but I would say not as fun. I think that the, the description of the Nick's long hands and fingers and necks, even though it was setting up Colin calling out how long it was, felt like I was. I was kind of over it well before Colin was. Uh, and then him sort of her sort of stopping to give it. Yeah, you salted oyster cry. It really sort of took away from sort of the rhythm that she was sort of building. So, I mean, I thought this was absolutely fun. She's always fun. But there were a couple of times where I thought, oh, OK, so the joke is I'm the hung like a horse whisperer. OK, it, it, but but she's usually done a lot more than just wordplay. And this time there was there wasn't as much there wasn't much more than fun wordplay. So certainly liked it, certainly made me laugh. But uh, but I don't know that I'd put it in a best of category. Yeah, I definitely would not. I feel like that it was just uh, a lot, a lot of the same thing. And I didn't even know where we were ultimately going. And I felt like that, uh, you know, she was fun, but, you know, uh, I wasn't really sure where a joke was. And, and, and a lot of times that, you know, she just like she broke herself, like she cracked herself up. But I was like, OK, well, what's what's the joke here? Yeah, I, I know she uh, she started to laugh before she got out her Maya Angelou line. And the line was, uh, no matter the size in between your thighs, you can still rise. And maybe because I'm not a diehard Maya Angelou fan, I thought it was cute. But I was surprised that uh, she, you know, she broke before, um, you know, in talking about small member size. I did like when she said even a thumb drive can hold a lot of data. I thought that was very cute. Again, it's it's just wordplay and not to say that I can do it and that, she, you know, that I could do better than her. But she has done better and she has done more personal stuff. So, yeah, it, w- it was a fun outing. But like you, I was probably uh, more excited about it wrapping up than uh, mm-hmm. than she would have liked. But I sort of missed the point also of what she was trying to say that. I mean, she was talking about how she was uh, that she's the, the hung like a horse whisperer. But then I sort of like, uh, you know, what well, what is what is like her ultimate message? I think she was going for ultimately the message was like what men lack in the bedroom is confidence. And that was really sort of the 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 running thing. It actually got 
confusing because the first group of men she's talking about, she's describing as being hung like horses. So it, it, so it she went can counter, impart I, that wisdom think, on people who are not. Yeah. And, and I think that, yeah. And I think that again, not that you and I are, I'm not that I'm going to write better, but I will say, I think maybe hypothetically, she got too in love with the, with the line hung like a horse whisperer that maybe if you were looking at sort of the overall premise of the comic piece, you might've lost that in order to service just come out of the gate with here's my whatever dating advice or whatever it is that you need confidence and and just build from there okay all right um i would also like to add rich that uh, the cereal i eat is literally uh kashi goline crunch i'd also like to (laughs) add that uh honey nut version honey almonds okay it's very delicious Well, this probably is the whitest podcast that anyone, you know, that there can be. This is one of this is one of the uh, uh, certainly in the middle. Okay, All right. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) For podcasts, it's the only category that we're in the the middle. All right. Uh, And then uh, here comes Vanessa Bayer doing uh, the Jennifer Aniston impression. Probably what, like the third time we've seen this? Yeah, this is the third time. And, uh, you know, we've said it before and and. I, Vanessa Bayer herself said this. I don't. It was on a talk show or a podcast when she first created when she first sort of nailed this impression that it's really a uh, it, it's it's a great impression for about sixty seconds, uh, and it really is. You know, it's so accurate and it's so fun for about sixty seconds. But uh, but it it doesn't really. It didn't the first time. It didn't the second time. Certainly here, it drags a little long, and in the the character, the premise of her on Weekend Update, they keep doing this thing where, you know, when they when she says something and they cut to a cutaway of the building exterior, we come back and time has, you know, time has moved forward, which the first time they did it, I didn't quite get why this was specifically supposed to be funny for Rachel from Friends. This is a sitcom tradition that holds true to an episode of The Big Bang Theory today. So I, uh, you know, maybe not done exactly in that way, but it's it, it it's there's nothing specific about Friends that when you look back at Friends and go, oh boy, they really got Friends. They they really nailed that f- weird Friends convention. Yeah, those transitions. So it, it it always even coming up to our cameo, it, it was definitely makes me laugh for 30 seconds i'm still giggling at 60 seconds and then i'm just kind of waiting for it to be over because we're just not doing anything new we're not doing anything original we're not doing anything different okay so here comes the real jennifer aniston so huge the audience goes crazy as well they should this is a great cameo aniston has not been has not been on the show in i think 12 years she hosted in 99 and 2004 so has not been around in a long time uh you know you know the co-star of uh, the aforementioned office christmas party uh so you know my suspicion is that you know this was something of a negotiated uh, media uh, commitment that she made when do, when when first signing on to that movie um you know and i thought that they were fun together but i don't know that it was necessarily funny together um i love the chemistry between the two of them i like that she was willing to make fun of herself for me personally it wasn't a clear enough between jennifer aniston being jennifer aniston and then jennifer aniston doing rachel that we can then see vanessa bayer is doing the same thing so it wasn't quite clear on how those things sort of tie together so uh for me it was like beyond the first 30 seconds of oh my god she's really here i also sort of was waiting to go okay well i think we can wrap this up i get it yeah i won't be too nitpicky it was it was fun and i thought that this you know it didn't have to be hilarious i thought it was it was fun that she was there and then coming off of the leslie jones piece i feel like that this was uh really uh, the standout moment of the uh, the whole weekend update. Oh, definitely, definitely. I will say, and I, I doubt that you would disagree. When they cut away to the uh, to the central perk, and we come back, and they're eating nachos, I was like, oh, oh, more, oh, oh my, yeah. okay. I, I <laughs> yeah. really could have could have pruned that a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Probably the weakest uh, point of the bit. All right, uh, yeah. let's uh, go to. Uh, the uh, the the first sketch after update uh, the cleaning ladies performance. Rich, uh, you mentioned it before. Uh, sounds like you like this. 
I love this. I thought this was really fun. I mean, it's so stupid. <laughs> it is a dumb, dumb, dumb sketch. And it just made me laugh because I thought there was a lot of brilliance in what looks like a dumb sketch. Uh, you know, just first of the, you know, from the beginning of the, the, the white guilt when, uh, when they want all would rather leave and get home instead of having to listen to the cleaning ladies and then, you know, realizing, you know, that they need to, to then Vanessa Bayer playing, I think Chrissy or Christy, the, the overly committed uh, woman who wants to show that how close she is to the cleaning ladies. And then just, you know, when we actually break into song and we have these great, you know, very, you know, these bad boy Santa songs that just get increasingly more and more inappropriate. Great commitment by Emma Stone and Cecily and uh, and um, uh, Leslie Jones. And and not only did the actual the songs heighten in their sort of, you know, how dirty they were, but also we had a lot of bit, little sort of fun side bits between the children being there and, and like so just really kind of kept throwing different things to to for me make this really fun yeah i did i like the songs uh i did like that the cleaning ladies uh said uh there was like some it was like an explanation for why they were doing this that like oh santa yeah. claus is not uh, like a dirty character like uh like a horny guy that he's, a horny elf yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. and uh i like that uh you know beck bennett kept egging them on so uh, yes. I agree. I thought this was uh, pretty fun. And yeah, and the reveal about the kids and then the parole officer uh, or the uh, or the uh, I would the, the ex-wife. The, yeah, this, well, the, the, I thought it was supervised visits. I thought that that was like the court ordered uh, person that was there to observe his uh, weekend visits. Oh, I thought that I thought the idea was that it was his his ex-wife was supervising them, but I could be wrong. But yes, I, but the build on that was great. The reveal was that and the and the actual writing of the songs, you know, we end first one with Bad Boy Santa. But then when they when they all sort of turn and put their butts out and they end with the second one with Santa, 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 just make it fast. <laughs> and then the final one ends with my chimney. My chimney only goes one way. I was just like someone was killing them. It was just really fun writing here. I thought this was really fun yeah good job uh, f- uh fun stuff let's uh talk about the return of do we what is the name of this character that is the older actress debet goldry this is our second time yeah we second first saw around. her in the margot robbie yeah we saw her in the margot robbie episode in october and as we said last time this is certainly the uh the cousin of the kate mckinnon character from the abduction sketches uh where basically we're just putting kate mckinnon as a wacky character around three or four other straight characters where then the straight people will describe an experience they had and then she will counter it here it's how bad it was being a woman in the old days uh yeah so yeah okay yeah yeah we both really liked it the first time around did you like it here the second time around you know i didn't like it as much as the first time because i thought the first time was so inspired but i i but i absolutely did like it i i did i did enjoy it i thought you know i thought it started a little bit slow i think that ideally i would rather i don't think you needed three other uh, Hollywood film actresses. To, I, I think it would have been, it would have been leaner if it was just two. I think you could have taken out uh, you know Leslie or uh, or uh, or I mean you probably would have taken out Emma Stone. So maybe just by order of whatever you could have taken out Leslie uh, to make it a little bit cleaner. Um, you know, but certainly you know when everyone's saying hello and Debet's like I'm happy to be. Where are we? Like I just thought like just nice like pieces. Couple of them funny, couple of them okay, but it built me to a couple of things that I thought were very funny. Uh, Rich, I know a lot of people are curious to get your take on the second appearance of Jennifer Aniston. Was this a violation in any way for you? Okay, so second rule of cameos. Now, I accept that my rules of cameos are very arcane, but when you hear me, you'll understand. I didn't have a problem with this because, yes, Rich's rules of cameos is once you show up to do a cameo, you can't do a cameo a second time. But I would argue that this wasn't a cameo because the sketch started with Jennifer Aniston in the sketch and it wasn't a reveal that Jennifer Aniston walks on mid sketch and that they were relying on a bit of surprise that it is Jennifer Aniston to get applause. So I thought the first time she shows up, it works well because it's in Weekend Update. It's it's Rachel. It's a huge reveal. If these sketches had been flipped, that would have been a huge violation because then her showing up at Weekend Update would have been not interesting. So, uh, 
so believe it or not, for me, I uh, in retrospect, I you know, even though I'm always a little bit concerned about P- about our cameo showing up twice, I say I'm going to give this one a pass because it wasn't actually a cameo. It was just her in the sketch, which for me was fine. OK. And for any other questions, hashtag PS recaps on Twitter and then. Uh, we will take them at the end of the show as well. So uh, I liked all the stuff about the uh, taking arsenic to uh, make your skin whiter. But that was fun. It was a fun callback. Uh, then later on where she's talking to Aniston about like, oh, I think this one's had a little bit too much arsenic. Yeah. And I love I thought I thought one of the most clever sort of takes is when she talked about back in my day, actresses were part of the props budget and she had to sit on a little table with her feet up and the union guys would carry her. Mm -hmm. I thought that was just really brilliant, really, really funny writing. Right. And of course, the men get more money because they're doing all the work. You just have to lay there on the train tracks. (laughs) It got a little bizarre when they talked about they didn't have Botox. They would just inject you with pancake batter. But here kate mckinnon does pull it off where i i think a lesser uh actor or actress would have had a problem selling this because it was just so dumb especially when she gets to the the name of the movie breakfast head at tiffany's and uh and they emma stone has to correct her that it's just breakfast at tiffany's that's a very hard thing to pull off because it was so silly for the sake of silly but uh but but certainly if anyone can in the cast it's certainly kate mckinnon okay uh Rich, we had a commercial, a pre-tape commercial for the Fisher-Price uh, Wells for Sensitive Boys. Yeah, I thought this, uh, directed by Dave McCary, this was written as per Twitter by Julio Torres and Jeremy ba- Baylor. I can never say his name. Uh, I thought this was really fun. Uh, again, also maybe a little bit too long. I was surprised, though, that this was buried so late in the day, uh, it, so late in the in the show, although Christmas Candle was such a fun sketch. Um, I thought it was really fun. I thought it was such an odd take and such, an, such a beautiful beautifully placed the sensitive boy uh i thought emma stone was great but mvp was the kid that kid was <laughs> so great the kid playing spencer was so funny <laughs> and did such a good job with nothing it was just so beautifully cast and so wonderfully directed by dave uh i thought it was really funny and then emma stone who sort of hangs back and then when the when the other kid doesn't understand what the well is and she starts screaming at him it's not for you you have everything it was just really well done so uh maybe a touch too long as is often the case with these things but overall i i thought this was a great sketch this late in the game yeah i really liked it as well i like the part where he is like uh what's he putting in there and that's a secret <laughs> yeah <laughs> really. yeah and and bobby doing a nice job as the dad that wants to be supportive you know they could have done clearly just the dad who's an you know who's upset or disappointed in his son bobby did a nice job of like Oh, like I just I I still want to support my son, but oh, it's so brutal. So uh, so yeah, really fun. Yeah, uh, I liked also the uh, the balcony and the cracked mirror as and well. The shattered mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice set. Yeah, very fun. It's kind of like Barbie, but it's different. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the final live sketch is the Virgin Mary uh, was not up to having guests, Rich. Yeah, I mean, like that we're going for this at uh, 1257 or 1254, whatever it was when we did this, um, you know, a fun premise that, you know, when you look at the manger every Christmas that, you know, oh, that's right. They had all these guests over right after giving birth. And what would an actual, you know, fully th- thought out woman who just gave birth want to do in this moment. Um, So I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, Maybe the joke itself played itself out a little bit early, which is probably why we saw this so late in the, in the night. Um, But still was really, it just, it was a nice sort of ending to the show. I thought it was, I don't think it was great, but I thought it was very nice and, and, and some real fun again, Emma Stone doing a really wonderful job. You know, for me, I felt like that this just I I couldn't wait for this one to end. I feel like that at that last sketch of the night, I prefer something that's a bit more absurd than this ultimately was. And, you know, I I do think that there is, um, you know, a funny, you know, a premise here. But I I, that to me, I just felt like that it was, um, you know, not that, you know, of course, you know, things are going to be a lot different for Mary giving birth uh, 2000 years ago. So I just felt like that there wasn't a ton to uh, mine here in terms of uh, guests coming over. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I did like the idea that he offers everyone drinks and then expects her to get the drinks. That, that, that definitely made me laugh. A couple other things that were fun. But uh, yeah, is it, and they could have made more a little bit. I, I always like the idea that gold, frankincense and myrrh and she's she's looking for formula and diapers and, and stuff. And uh, but but maybe a little bit lost in the subtlety of this. And and I do I do know what you mean. You know, this is this is when the you know, when the female porn stars kills this slot. This is, you know, when we see a lot of the Donnelly sketch usually kills here, maybe a little bit subtle for, for this late in the day. Yeah. And I feel like that there was something that may have either gotten cut or was long. Cause we did the thing where we went to like with five minutes left or so, like 30 seconds of the band playing and then came back and yeah. went to commercial again. So it does seem like something got screwy with the timing in this episode. Yeah, I agree. I think something got cut and then they had to make up the time for which the difference was, especially it was odd coming out of the sketch. Usually the sketch would end and we'd hear the piano over the over the card of Emma Stone. Instead, we heard the band. And so something seemed to be odd with the timing here. And then the goodbyes, I felt like, were really long, especially I watched the the West Coast version. Yeah. Yeah, And they I mean, we did easily over two minutes of the goodbyes. Yeah, I, again, saw the East Coast and the West Coast version uh, of the Good Nights, and they were uh, the full, really the full bit to the point where you actually see one of the uh, cast members walking off the stage, uh, you know, in wrap ups, which was very bizarre. So uh, big mode on stage, but I don't think that that really has, uh, you know, much bearing. Obviously, you can tell that uh, that she was very well liked. Uh, There was a lot of real genuine emotion. And then uh, and 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 I will say in advance, my wife disagrees with me on this, but I was very disappointed to see no Jennifer Aniston uh, up on 8H uh, saying goodnight at, at home base. Uh, for me, that's a huge party foul. It's like uh, being in a live uh, theatrical performance and not coming out for the curtain call. Um, you know, my wife disagrees and feels that Jen- Jennifer Aniston has earned the right to not be uh, on the stage at the end of the night. And from so what? We'll agree from what did she do? That was so great. Uh, just that, you know what? She Beyond came in friends? to basically promote her movie. No, I think the point. So just to make the point that I will disagree with, but to be fair to the point that, you know what, she came here to promote a movie. She did two sketches. She was she did not spend the whole week with the cast. Uh, She doesn't need to necessarily have to do the obligatory stand on the stage. But for me, uh, I do think if you're going to do it then do it. And if you don't really want to be on the stage, then don't do SNL because to me, that is the curtain call. It is the sort of communal moment with the audience that has been with the show since 1129 PM. Uh, and you know what? It really only takes 90 seconds to two minutes. Even if it's awkward, small talk, who cares? Stand there, say goodnight. You're going to go to the after party anyway. So it's not like you're somewhere else. So just hang out and say goodbye. Yeah, not for anything. I mean, she's in the second sketch after update. What would it have been? Like another 20 minutes to come out on the stage? So it's probably uh, I think it was a choice not to. Yeah, but she was backstage during it. And then Alec Baldwin didn't show up for the first time. And again, in my crazy head, my the story I tell myself is that Alec Baldwin thought, well, I if 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 a star of equal prominence like Jennifer Aniston is not going to go out there, then I'm not going to go out either because it will make me look like lesser of a talent if I'm on the stage and she's not again. I have no basis of fact on this. This is what goes through my head. So but for me. If you're going to be there, Larry David would do the cold open till 1137 p.m. and then hang out and come out at, uh, you know, at 1258 to sort of wave goodbye. Uh, I think anyone can do it. All right, Rich, let's just talk a big picture. The Emma Stone first show of the month. Do you feel like we got off on the right foot here or started off slow? Yeah. I think it was a little bit slow. I thought there was a lot to like. I think she did a great job. I think she was excellent in every sketch that even the sketches that I was a little bit uh, sour on or I thought dragged. I I would never blame her for it. I actually thought this was a weird one where I thought that the show really picked up after update. I thought that post update cleaning crew. Great job. Film screening with Debet was was fantastic. Wells for boys. Really fun. Nativity. Not hilarious, but still a, a nice piece. So I thought we had a nice nice sort of back half. I thought it took us a little bit to get there. But yeah. again, we'll take the momentum. First sketch, first episode of, of December is often a little bit rocky. So uh, I, I'm not uh, I'm not going to complain too much. 
I agree with you. I was reading the AV Club uh, review earlier this morning, and they said that they thought it was one of the standout shows of the young season. So uh, I feel like that I, I did not feel that same way. I thought this was one of the weaker episodes from this season. I would say it's in the middle. I, I would say, I, I mean, I feel like it's certainly Margot Robbie was great. Linda Juan Miranda was great. Tom Hanks was great. Dave Chappelle was great. But I also would say the Emily Blunt was maybe a little bit rougher. Kristen Wiig, I don't know. I actually think this overall might have been a little bit more funny than Kristen Wiig if I had to sort of place it. Um, definitely better than Benedict Cumberbatch. So I, I wouldn't put it at the bottom, but I'd say it's it's certainly going to be a mid-pack episode. Mm-hmm. I would say if people were grading sketches, which I don't like to do on the show, I'd say there were a lot of Bs. And hey, a night of Bs is pretty amazing. I mean, you know, that's that's like batting 600 for the, you know, for the night. So, uh, you know, but very few things that we're going to look back on and go, oh, my God, I hope that that's in the end of year best of you know package. OK. All right. We have some questions from the viewers of the show. Scott St. Pierre is standing by and pulling your questions. Here is uh, Lawson Campbell. Were you glad when Emma Stone didn't do a song for the monologue, Rich? Yeah, I mean, you know, she is, uh, you know, she is someone who clearly sings. She sings in La La Land, the movie that I think she is ostensibly here to promote. So I was surprised. But uh, so I was sort of happy to take a but did not mention. No, I mean, other than the fact that at least uh, that they ran a commercial for it uh, during the show, she didn't really call it out, which was surprising because it's getting amazing buzz. It's supposed to be a great movie. It comes out uh, Christmas Day. So which is, I think, why she was here. Uh, so, yeah, I thought it was actually nice that she didn't uh although her singing in general i enjoy and i thought specifically her singing in the cleaning crew sketch was uh which was really fun so it was really good okay ron from toronto wants to say do you expect trump to continue to tweet about the unfunny snl whenever alec baldwin makes an appearance you know uh again without getting into politics specifically i would say yes i think that it is a very deliberate choice to steer conversation towards that it's an easy thing for him to sort of hang his hat on so uh yes i think so should president elect trump start doing an alec baldwin impression to settle the score <laughs> It wouldn't surprise me in his thank you tour across uh, America if at some point he starts referencing uh, the Alec Baldwin impression and making fun of Alec, you know, in front of that audience, in front of his live studio audience. Yeah, you think you're big, tough Alec Baldwin. Let's see how you like it when President Trump works on an impression of you. How about that? That will be very funny to see. And I can't wait. Uh, The Trump should come back and host and do his Alec Baldwin impression. Oh, yeah. Well, that would be very interesting <laughs> to see what would happen uh, if they asked if he uh, volunteered to host the show as president. That would be I'd be very interested to see what SNL actually does in that situation. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, let's do uh, from Mac R. Whaley. Surprised we didn't do a sequel to the Adele office uh, skit from a Stone's last hosting performance. Uh, was it that long ago? Yeah, it was uh, 2011. I mean, it was it was the uh, uh, someone like you, which she's now obviously Adele's had many hits since then. Uh, so certainly not surprised. I mean, I will. I love that he's reminding us of that. That was my favorite sketch of that night. One of my favorite sketches of the year of that season. It's such a great sketch. Unfortunately, because of music clearance issues, you can't see it unless you find an, an, an unauthorized copy online. Uh, they, they you don't get to see it. But as, as you know, Adele continues to be fantastic but has not had a hit like that. I mean, when she did Hello, uh, we did make fun of it on SNL, but that was a bit ago. So I just don't think there was anything, uh, you know, current enough for us to uh, make fun of. All right, Rich. Well, great job here. First podcast of December. And then next week, what? John Cena. John Cena. You're a big John Cena fan. You know, as I said with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I've never been a WWE fan, but I know a good bit about the show. And I do think that the WWE live shows make for good SNL performers. And I think we saw John Cena in Trainwreck. I thought he did a great job. And then the other uh, one live. he was in. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think uh, and, and so I suspect that he will be very comfortable in a live environment. He'll be very comfortable reading off cue cards with lines changing at the last minute. I think he will be a big personality. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm certainly giving him the benefit of the doubt before we get there. 
Should be fun. Is John Cena yeah. in a movie coming up or is he just promoting that he is uh, sort of a celebrity? Is he, I want to say, maybe the chat room can tell us. I'm going to guess, is he in Assassin's Creed? I don't actually know, uh, right. but I'm sure he's promoting something. I'm just not sure why. All right. We'll have to get in touch with some of our wrestling enthusiasts in the audience. All right. Uh, great job, uh, Rich. And uh, I know you mentioned at the top of the show, if anybody wants to uh, come out in the L.A. area to see uh, your show, can you get that information one more time? Oh, yeah, I'll have it on Twitter and Facebook if you follow at Rich Tack. But we're going to be in Silver Lake on Sunday at 1230 in the afternoon. Nice early afternoon. Six great storytellers. Uh, it'll be a great show. Uh, so come out and check us out. It'll be a lot of fun. And when's that? This upcoming Sunday? This Sunday, the 11th, December 11th. So a week from today at 1230 in Silver Lake, which will be really fun. And obviously, you can always just tweet me or Facebook me or and uh, if you don't if you don't see the information. All right, Rich. Great job. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes and James Keast uh, with all of his musical knowledge. If you want to uh, be back with us next Sunday, uh, you hashtag PS Recaps to get your questions in for the show. You can even post them to Twitter as you watch and we'll get them uh, for the episode. If you want to subscribe to our SNL podcast feed, post your recaps.com slash SNL iTunes. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.